I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya. That's Creole for something extra. Whether you measure it by its politics, pubs, or people, Boston's Irish heritage is unavoidable. But its neighbor just north of the island is beginning to step out of its shadow. From bagpipes to the savory meat-pudding haggis, local Scottish groups are making a push for more recognition of their distinct culture and history throughout New England. Next weekend's inaugural Not Your Usual Burns Night will honor Scotland's national poet with traditional poetry, song, dance, and Scotch whiskey in an effort to bring Boston's Scottish culture alive. Joining me now, Dr. Larry Bethune, Vice President of Scots in New England. Hi, Larry. Hi, how are you? Also with me, Dr. Peter Abbott, New England's British Consul General. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Great to be with you, Kelly. Um, So I want to start because I have to say, I'm one of those people who just thought Boston, Boston's Irish, that's the end of it. So imagine my surprise to discuss that there's a, quite a vibrant Scottish community here, um, just for people who are geographically um, challenged, as some of us are. Um, Scotland is uh, 12 miles from Ireland at the closest points. You cross a sea to get there. Um, and population-wise, as we have the census data, um, the Irish population is about 13.9% versus the Scottish population in Massachusetts, about 1.2%. Nevertheless, uh, there's a lot going on here in terms of local connections. And at the center of it is Robert Burns, the national poet of Scotland. And wouldn't you know, Council General, <laughs> there is a statue of Robert Burns right here in Boston for those of us who are kind of clueless about it. So that says it all in terms of presence of, of the Scots here in New England. Absolutely. Uh, the statue, uh, which was um, done by sculptor Henry Hudson Kitson back in 1920, was um, uh, originally uh, it was put in the back bay uh, in the Fens and then was moved to Winthrop Square in the 70s. And it was put back again uh, in the Fens in, in 2019. I've been down there. It was surrounded by construction, unfortunately, for a long time. Uh, but it's a great statue of Robbie Burns and a great testament, as you say, uh, to the connections uh, between the Scots uh, and New England. So the Scots have been coming to North America ever since the Mayflower. Tell us personally your Scottish background. So my uh, my grandmother on my mother's side uh, was Scottish. Uh, she was a Maglashan, uh, which is part of the Ross clan. Um, uh, and so it's, uh, it's lovely to, to feel that I have, uh, although I was born in England, um, have Scottish blood uh, running through my veins. All right. And for you, Larry, tell us uh, your personal background, your personal Scottish heritage background. We arrived here in North Carolina in 1774. In fact, it would be 250 years ago this October. And um, all the time I was growing up till I was about 12 or 13, I didn't know anything about Scotland or being Scottish. My parents didn't talk anything about it, neither did my grandparents. But my grandfather's two aunts had a whole room full of our information. And they are the ones who drummed into me that the blood is strong. So they gave me our family genealogy and I started to trace it back. And I became Scottish about overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and now now I'm, I'm a zealot <laughs> Scottish. I love all cultures. Uh, my wife's half Greek and half Russian. And um, I, like it. I like everybody to celebrate their cultures. And so that's what we're trying to do here. All right. So um, Larry, 
at the center of this, as we've said, is Robert Burns. Now, I had some vague recognition of who he was. I knew I had learned about him in school, but, but you know, uh, was kind of it was vague. <laughs> so, uh, tell me why he is the national uh, bard of Scotland, as some refer to him. Sure, um, a little bit of biography, so we can place him in time. I guess he was born two hundred forty-five years ago, so that's quite a while back, back in seventeen seventy-nine in a, a shire, a county called Ayrshire on the west coast of Scotland. Um, he died at the age of 37, which is pretty young. He was a contemporary of Mozart, to put it in context, too, who also died at 35. So they had a lot in common, geniuses and early deaths. Um, he was a poet and a songwriter. And I think that because his works celebrate Scottish culture and identity, and he wrote about the ordinary Scot, and their struggles and their joys and loves and and his re relatability and his empathy for the common people uh, resonated with a lot of Scots and helped solidify his status as the uh, national bard of Scotland. This also resonated here in the United States after his death, all through the 1800s, especially here in New England, and especially with the abolitionists and with the Scots that were here, um, because he wrote about people, regardless of their social status, their wealth, their religion, their political beliefs, and so on. He was on the level an egalitarian. Well, that is that uh, says a lot. It also ha helped me uh, be reminded, as I'm going to remind my listeners now, that we all know at least one song written by Robert Burns. Here it is, Auld Lang Syne. always beautiful. Um, so I felt uh, much more informed after I realized I did at least know one. Now, Peter, there are other famous poems that might trigger some memories for us that Robert Burns penned. Uh, share that with us. If, uh, as well as Old Lang Syne, which, which you've just played, which your listeners will be very familiar with, um, uh, Robbie Burns also wrote uh, poems like Tamashanta um, and uh, a couple of uh, poems odes to uh, small domestic animals. He wrote to a mouse and to a louse uh, as well. And he also wrote uh, a red, red rose. Um, Robbie Burns is very famous for the, the poems that he wrote to women, um, uh, to the many loves of his life. He was a, a very romantic man. Uh, and the, the, the poems he wrote to women are some of his most famous uh, and, and very funny as well. He's a very funny poet. Uh, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Now, as I understand it, Peter, he was a bit of a womanizer when you say he loved women. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can say that. I, I couldn't possibly comment. But uh, yes, that's, certainly that's his reputation. Okay. Well, now that we understand Robert Burns' um, centrality in celebrating Scottish culture in Boston, the reason we're having this conversation at this point is that there is a big celebration coming up next weekend, um, the, the 25th. Um, and there will be what is known as 
uh, Burns suppers when he is celebrated and all of Scottish culture is is embraced around him at, at the center of the celebration. So talk to me about, uh, Peter, about Burns suppers and the fact that for the first time, your office has coordinated something called Not Your Usual Burns Night. So it's a little bit different than what's been done in the past. Yeah, so this is the Burns Supper is really a very, very special occasion. And it is celebrated by Scots all over the world. I've been to Burns Suppers in the UK. I've been to Burns Suppers in Pakistan, um, in Portugal. Uh, and now, of course, we're, we're doing a Burns Supper and a, and a Kayla here in Boston. So the, the supper follows quite a, a, quite a sort of a strict uh, format. Um, it opens with something called the Selkirk Grace, uh, and then they serve the first uh, the first course, which is uh, usually a soup, and that's either cullen skink or cockaleeky soup, two traditional uh, Scottish soups. And then you've got a bagpiper will will pipe in the haggis, and the haggis is really the centre uh, of uh, of the burn supper. Haggis, uh, I hope your listeners aren't eating because um, for the faint of heart, it can seem a little bit disgusting. I have to say, but it is delicious when you eat it. A haggis, a traditional haggis, is made of something called a sheep's pluck, and that's the heart, liver, and lungs of a sheep. Um, that is cooked in onion and oatmeal and a whole range of spices, and then is sealed like a sausage uh, in the animal stomach, in the stomach of the sheep. Uh, I, I think that is less traditional now, uh, your listeners might be glad to hear, but that is certainly the traditional way uh, of making a haggis. So that is piped in on a dish. Uh, with a bagpiper, uh, and then whoever's uh, the master of ceremonies will read Robbie Burns' Address to a Haggis, which is uh, a, quite a long poem that he wrote, um, celebrating the haggis as the as the sort of the sausage, the pudding above all other puddings. Um, and uh, in the middle of that poem, the, the, the person who's giving the speech will, will stab the haggis with a, with a sword or a dagger or a knife of some sort, and then cut the haggis open and then that is that is served uh with traditionally with neeps and tatties uh so neeps are, are swede um tatties are potatoes and then as the as the uh, evening goes on lots of whiskey uh, is drunk <laughs> that would be scotch whiskey just to be clear right scotch whiskey that would absolutely be absolutely be scotch whiskey and then um uh, towards the end of the, the evening the, the toasts are given and this is the other famous part of the burns supper um there is a toast to the immortal memory of robert burns and then um, uh, a man will stand up and give a toast to the lassies, uh, to the ladies uh, in the room. Uh, and then a woman will stand up and give a toast to the laddies, uh, to the men in response. And both those uh, toasts are supposed to be uh, pretty tongue in cheek, pretty funny, pretty plain to stereotypes about women, stereotypes about men. Um, and as I said, lots of people have had quite a lot of Scotch whiskey to drink by that point. So it gets, uh, it gets pretty rowdy. <laughs> Now, before I dive into some of the points that you raised here, why is this celebration um, not your usual Burns Night? Why is it different from what you've described as traditionally um, the traditional program? Well, we're, 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 having a, we're having a great Kaylee, a sort of a modern twist on, on, on the Kaylee uh, format. We've got some great modern music. Uh, we're hoping to have lots of young people come out uh, from across Boston and Cambridge and, and, and the region. Um, it's going to be at the Crystal Ballroom in Davis Square. It's a great venue. Um, and we're really excited about, you know, I suppose, bringing Robbie Burns to, to a new generation uh, of young people uh, across New England. OK, now back to you, Larry. Um, both uh, both. Peter and you um, have been folks that um, did the address to the haggis, um, which is done in Scottish Gaelic. I have to say, I confess, never occurred to me that 
Gaelic was anything but Irish. So here I am being corrected. So this is a Scottish Gaelic uh, that Robert Burns, of course, uh, would write in. Um, and it's part of, as uh, Peter has said, this address to the haggis. So before um, we say more about that, I just want my listeners to hear what the European YouTube channel DW Food has to say about haggis. Cutting open a haggis is always a special moment. This Scottish dish of offal minced with oatmeal and spices and cooked in an animal's stomach is just as famous as Scotland's rugged countryside with its mountain peaks and lakes. So that says it all. <laughs> so, Larry, I wondered if you'd give us a couple of lines of the address to the haggis that you would typically be making at one of the uh, celebrations. Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm doing four of these over the next three weeks, so it's a good time for me to rehearse. Uh, after hearing Peter's description, I think it ought to be said that if you compare his description with the description of a hot dog, the haggis will win hands down. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you don't want to know what's in a hot dog either. You know, the, the romantic uh, legend behind all this is that, that Burns was presented a haggis as an honor to carve while he was at some kind of a dinner in Edinburgh, and that he made up this address on the spot, which I think is more legend than anything else. But uh, it's a pretty good, good poem to make up on the spot. Um, I'm going to recite it, but I must say I'm not Scottish. I'm Scottish-American. And the reason I have to say that is because uh, a lot of the Scots out there listening to this are probably say, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> well, just give us a taste. We just want a okay, little it's sample. Not, it's, not, it's not actually Scots Gaelic. It's uh, lowland Scots. So it's a little bit understandable. I'll give you a, there's eight stanzas. I'll give you one at least. Fair far your honest saucy face. Great chieftain of the pudding race. Upon the mall you tuck your place, pinch, tripe, firm, wheel are you worthy of a grace, as lang's my arm. Now, I usually have a translator with me to tell everybody what I just said. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, is that part of what Peter is saying about drawing in a new generation of, of uh, folks to appreciate uh, the Scottish heritage and the celebration? Now, that's something that I usually do because I find everybody just stares at me. So, uh, <laughs> all right, well, that's good. It, it's a good reason to <laughs> like going to opera for Wagner or something and you don't know German or something. <laughs> I just want I'm just curious about how this draws in the, the young people um, just, you know, celebrating these traditions um, at the center of Scottish heritage. What what are you doing to make it appealing to the young people who will, of course, of course, pass it on? Well, we're trying to we're trying to brand it, I think, Callie, as well uh, as something you, you might have seen uh, some of the uh, the social media adverts that we've been putting out. There's a sort of Andy Warhol treatment uh, of Robert Burns's famous portrait, and uh, and we, we, I think that's that's the idea is trying to make it a little bit more a bit more lively, a bit more um, sort of relevant uh, to, to to modern day audiences. And uh, there is so much in Robbie Burns that is just. Um, is, is really timeless. Um, the haggis might not appeal to, uh, to, to Gen Z uh, uh, sensibilities maybe, but I think the, uh, the music, the dancing, and, and as I said, the poetry, which is really, you know, these timeless themes of, of romance and love. And um, uh, I think that will, that will really appeal to the younger generation. I think the other thing we're trying to do, it's a little bit different this year, um, is marry some of, uh, some of the, the, the sort of the cultural diplomacy 
uh, of Robert Burns and the Burns Supper with uh, some economic diplomacy. So the, the consulate is bringing over a number of uh, folks from Scotland. Uh, we're doing a number of roundtables looking at um, uh, offshore wind and energy, um, investment and financial services, uh, and looking at sort of driving up US investment into Scotland. Uh, and promoting the Scottish economy as well. So that's a little bit of, of, of how we're doing things a bit different this time. Okay. Uh, one of the things I learned in preparation for this conversation with you all is about the Kaylee, um, which is a dance at, uh, that is uh, used at these burn suppers traditionally. And looking at it, even without reading anything about it, I thought, this looks like square dancing. <laughs> and it turns out that when I read something else about it, uh, there is a person who calls the dance. So it, it sounds very much like square dancing. And there's even some do si which is, as we all know, part of square dancing. So that was pretty interesting. First, let me play a clip of people doing Kaylee dances at a traditional Scottish wedding. Larry, um, did the America did somehow this get Americanized, or was it always so? The Kaylee and its form, and how the the calling of the dances, all of that, or well, did the Americans it, steal from the Scottish? That probably is what happened. Of course, <laughs> of course, that's what happened. Uh, the Scots are always being having things stolen from them. But uh, really, actually, I, I did trace a, a traditional music from the 18th century into colonial America and up through modern pop music. So in doing that, I learned a lot about how the Kayleys influenced square dancing. Now, they're not the only ones. Other cultures had similar kinds of calling and response dances and everything. But the Kaylee and the square dance are very much. Uh, my family down in North Carolina uh, didn't, didn't doesn't know much about their Scottish history and didn't know anything about the connection of the two. But if you go to a Kaylee and if you go to an American square dance or a hoedown, it's very, very similar, if not the same. Interesting. I was I was fascinated by that. You know, all of these, uh, some of these cultural traditions merge, and we we know nothing about it. So, which hints the reason to have these kinds of conversations. Um, one of the things I was interested in is that you recently named New England's Emerging Scot of the Year. What does that mean? How does one become New England's Emerging Scot of the Year? Yeah, so this is one of the categories of awards that we, we uh, the, the, the New England Scots have, have um, uh, set up in their awards, and it went to a young lady called Iona, who's just doing amazing, amazing work promoting Scotland. She arrived, uh, I think, a few a few years ago, but uh, she's what they call a social media influencer uh, now, and she has been using uh, social media channels to to promote Scotland, to talk about Scotland to um, translate Scotland, I guess, uh, modern Scotland uh, for New Englanders. And um, she's really, I think, uh, epitomizes what the award is, is trying to celebrate, uh, which is an, a new generation of Scots coming into New England and celebrating uh, things about modern Scotland, and, you know, focusing on the traditions, but also talking about modern Scotland. So Iona is exactly the kind of uh, emerging Scot uh, that I think the award is designed to celebrate. Okay, Larry, weigh in. Yeah, I think what's great about this as well is it's a brand new award. And uh, Scots in New England, what we're really focused on is, is coalitions and alliances. We don't really try to create anything just by ourselves. We don't want to compete with anybody. 
So this was a beautiful experience of uh, the British Consul, the National Trust for Scotland and USA, uh, Scottish Development International, Scots in New England, New Hampshire, Scott, et cetera, et cetera, coming up with these awards to draw more attention to the Scots in New England. And I think it was a highly successful first time out. And it was, uh, we had a great party and everybody was happy who got the awards. There were three types of awards there. And uh, we think it's gonna be great in the future to sort of uh, ferret out all the Scots in New England that are doing wonderful things. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Dr. Larry Bethune, Vice President of Scots in New England, and Dr. Peter Abbott, New England's British Consul General. We're talking about Scottish culture and history in New England. All right, so in conclusion, I'd like each of you uh, just to give a personal and heartfelt note to our listeners about uh, uh, why each year we should be celebrating holding up Scottish culture uh, in New England and um, uh, and how you feel about it. Just, just, just your personal take. I'll start with you, Peter. Well, I think um, we should celebrate all kinds of folk cultures. And I, I think it's really important in, in our very modern sort of hyper-glossy kind of world that we, we think about these traditions that have been handed down uh, by our ancestors from generation to generation. Uh, Robbie Burns principally is a, is a folk poet and in his poetry, um, he's encapsulated the spirit of the Scottish people. And I think that is a really good thing to celebrate over good food, uh, good, good whiskey, good music, uh, and it's fellowship of the very, very best kind. And I think nowadays it's really, really important that we bring people together and Robbie Burns is a great uh, reason to celebrate togetherness. Last word from you, Larry. Yeah, so well, I'm a passionate Scottish American. Uh, for my personal journey, I've already told you about. I have a deep appreciation now for my own heritage and culture, and but I also love all cultures and learning about them and understanding them and experiencing them. And I think understanding my own better, uh, I can understand other people's cultures a lot better too. I don't believe, even though we joke about it, I don't believe that being Scottish makes us better than anyone else. It might. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> but, uh, but loving my culture does love me, allow me to understand. I like going to the games, the parades, the, uh, the festivals. And Scots themselves, by the way, are made up of many, many different cultures and ancestors. If you go by our DNA, we're made up of 10, maybe a dozen or 20 cultures. So there's no such real thing anymore as a pure Scot. And I feel we each have sort of built within us a desire to belong to many communities. And I, I think everybody ought to get out there and find, dig into their culture and then go out and find somebody else's and celebrate it and have a good time. Eat the food, do the dance, get with it. Okay. Well, I want to thank you both for uh, putting Scot Scottish heritage and culture and the New England connection on the radar. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Dr. Larry Bethune is the Vice President of Scots in New England, and Dr. Peter Abbott is New England's British Consul General. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. We're going out on a bagpipe tune inspired by Robert Burns' poem, A Man's a Man for a That, frequently played at the annual Burns Suppers. Listen again on Wednesday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. 
I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>